connected, not respected. Who would ever really want to go and top that? Such a waste of pretty face, but hanging in your nose face. I wish that you would take a look and really stop that. Top that. Well, stop that. I don't really give up about trying to top that. Top Hello, and welcome to the Smell Test Podcast. We do not have rights to that song, but I think it was worth it. What do you think, Diane? I think it was. I will listen to it every day for the rest of my life if I could. So I will listen to that all day, every day. <laughs> all right. Hello and welcome to the Smell Test Podcast, the weekly podcast where we review beloved movies from our past and to see whether today, as of September 2023, they still hold up culturally, ethically, humorously, and through our own personal gut checks. This podcast represent solely the opinions of the podcasters so when diane tells you people are dead and they're not don't at us <laughs> and don't sue us either it happens y'all uh for me i am jessica homer i'm an attorney and my areas of interest are employment and ethics law i also teach at college and soon to be law school and i'm a yoga instructor and i'm 41 years old diane introduce yourself I feel like a congratulations is or in order that you're going to be teaching law school. That's how yeah. I found out. Hot off the oh. congrats. Um, I'm Diane. I'm 36 at the time of the recording. I was born in 1987. I'm a PhD student and uh, also like Jess, I'm into eth ethics. Um, it's one of my areas of expertise. Other areas of expertise are social equity, organizational theory and behavior, which is basically social psychology and civic participation um i'm also teaching so fun fact um i'm going to be teaching a pop culture class so um there's a chance that our students may be if they google us they may see this now so here's a special <laughs> shout out to students get back to work no seriously get back to work you probably have a discussion post -due. this is from pop culture from 30 years ago it doesn't count for your grades <laughs> so yeah, but that's me. So we both have an interest in looking at, uh, you know, things ethically, but also equitably. So like, how, how, how is diversity portrayed? And so today we will welcome us to the whitest movie I've ever seen in my life. Teen Witch brought to us by Diane. <laughs> Dun -dun -dun -dun. Teen Witch is a 1989 film that is brought to us by, <laughs> she says that she, well, it's starring uh, Robin Lively, so sister of Blake Lively. Um, and my husband told me to introduce her as Ryan Reynolds' uh, sister-in-law, but we are pro-women in this space. So, but it, so is, it is a fact that she is. She sure for is. Now. For now. Hey, don't be doing, don't. It's one of Hollywood's best couples. Don't be okay. doing that. I, I will not accept it. We'll move on. We'll uh, move on. <laughs> uh the story is of a uh 15 or 16 well a girl who's turning 16 coming into her witchy powers living in the transitional world of the late 80s where somehow a tall life and beautiful girl is a loser in school um she is smarter than the rest of her colleagues so she is in class as a a, a 15 year old in a senior English class. She's high achieving and and wears very big trench coats. And somehow that makes her an ugly duckling. Diane, as you sip your drink, I should have stayed longer. You're good. Tell me about why this movie was so important to you growing up. All right. Well, 
Okay, so I feel like, you know how I mentioned that I watched a lot of movies during a certain era because I had HBO? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, at some point, a couple of years later, I'm in small, well, it's not a small town. I'm in a town in Oklahoma. Any town in Oklahoma is kind of small compared to other cities. But um, so picture summer nights, no, no air conditioning, no cell phones, very limited computer access at the time. You had to pay for how many minutes you used on AOL. So very boring time to be alive. I was maybe, gosh, I had to have been 13. And I used to stay up watching whatever shows came on um, like network TV, but in the middle of the night. So there'd always be these like kind of off brand movies that would play in the middle of the night. And Teen Witch was one of them. So Teen Witch was often on the TV in the middle of the night during my summers in Oklahoma when I was a teenager. So it was like kind of, it was either watching that or like an infomercial about dehydrators, like food dehydrators. <laughs> so I would always opt to do this. So I feel like there's a few stages to me watching this. I think I first watched it with um, Bemusement and Horror. And it's just cheesy. And then I've just grown oh, to love how cheesy it is. Um, this movie's cropped up in my life a few other times. Uh, truth be told, I had a 19th birthday party in college. There are about seven or seven to ten people there, and I made them all sit down and watch the, the top <laughs> that scene. I was really, really hoping that you were going to say the party was Teen Witch themed. No. Well, here's the thing. I love this movie so much that before it was on DVD... I bought a bootleg version of it where someone <laughs> burned Teen Witch from their VHS to the DVD. And I still own that bootleg version. Um, it's streaming now, but I have a bootleg version of Teen Witch that I used some of my high school graduation money on. So that's it commitment. runs deep. That's commitment. It runs so- deep. So the movie starts with our... Well, hold on. Can we just talk about for a minute, before we get into that, Okay. what happened when I pitched this, and then what happened when you mentioned it to Eric, your husband? (laughs) Yes, please. All right. So So I I pitched... So Jess and I, when we get on a call, our here's some BTS for you, behind the scenes. (laughs) That's usually when we decide what movie we're going to do next, right? Right. And then I went, oh, I've been thinking I want to do Teen Witch. <laughs> and I said, and then I said, oh, have you seen it? And you're like, oh, I've never, I've never heard of it. And then I just started laughing. Like, not like, oh, ha, like ha, she was playing like, the trick a, on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like I knew what was to come and I got very uh, excited. Like it was like evil laughter. And then what happened when you, um, when you mentioned it to Eric? So I mentioned it to my husband, who is age. Well, he's a little too old for this movie, right? Like he he made it very clear that when this movie was out, he was watching Roadhouse. Okay. Oh, such a man. He would have been his exact age, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he well, he would have been. Yeah, yeah. He would have about a year younger. Yeah. Uh, And he uh, and he goes, wait for the rap scene. And. That's all he said to me, rap scene. And he walked away and I was like, 
Oh my goodness. Which is why the beginning of the movie, when they're in a music video, I thought we were going to see the rap scene right away. But no, it was the world's most awkwardly danced dream sequence. Because how this bitch, even in her own dreams, she was lame because of how, like, she's super tall and skinny and she's wearing this sexy outfit. By the way, she herself was only like, 17 when she, she was like the it. only age appropriate person in the yeah. film. <laughs> so she she uh she is like walking like a stork like she just put on high heels for the first time and, and i can't so there are several times i guess let's just talk about music from the jump there at the first move the so that happens they have this like uh almost like um this like very 80s r&b movie music scene like it looked like a music video with her and her crush brad so uh louise is the main character brad is her crush and then from then on there are several very choreographed scenes so i kept being like is this the rap scene is this the rap scene (laughs) through the whole movie so i bet that's what i actually did i text you i text i think i text you and i said is this a musical you did (laughs) And here's the thing. When I was rewatching it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is like pretty much a musical. You know what's really funny? I fucking hate musicals. Like, <laughs> I, I do. Really, I really dislike musicals. Every time a music <laughs> sequence one? went on in this movie, I was dancing, I was choreographing, <laughs> I knew the lyrics. And I was like, Whoa. well, okay, don't get too excited about knowing the lyrics. Every I, single song was just one repetitive boys. lyric. Well, that's like pretty boys. hard to remember, Jess. I, I like, boys. like boys. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, it's, it, so it's classified, right, as a teen fantasy comedy, but let's add musical in it. So yeah, I definitely off. don't even understand. I guess because none of the people were supposed to be singing and they were always lip syncing to a song. <laughs> Because the rap in the beginning with Rhett and his crew, that was like where they spin him and did a back dip for him. I was like, this is a musical. What are we watching right yeah. now? It was so, pretty heavily. It was a uh, heavily musical coded. Yes. So. so we- <laughs> no, no, you go. <laughs> so we start with um, her in this musical uh, dream. And then she's woken up to find that her brother, who is a maniac is eating cake under her bed or like donuts or something richie richie is eating so one of my favorites so i always do like a bunch of non-wikipedia i'm giving her the evil eye while i say students don't use wikipedia offline about wikipedia (laughs) i see no problem with wikipedia um you seem to be very anti-wikipedia I donate to Wikipedia. I love Wikipedia, but you're like, I need primary sources at all times. And I have one for you, but we'll get into it. So keep going. So, so one of the best things I found in the in the process of researching this movie was that um, the brother in Teen Witch is the most unhinged character in cinema. Reddit thread. Did you see that? <laughs> so- no. Um, no. So that's richie miller played by joshua miller one of the original pussy posse did you know that he was one of leonardo dicaprio's club of boys 
And I uh, hate that so much. And he's gay, so that's confusing why he was part of that. Also, oh, so- okay, so that makes total sense because this is where I need to go with that. Okay, <laughs> okay, wait, this might be one of those non facts because, <laughs> because I found out he was gay on Reddit, so I don't know if that's real. Okay, keep going. Okay, because he's pretty flamboyant in it, right? So he comes out on screen, and you said he's the most unhinged character. That same actor, Joshua Miller, is in a film called River's Edge, where he plays like he's supposed to be a um, like troubled youth who's like angry at the world, but he delivers everything so flamboyantly that it's just like it's almost comical instead. And it's not supposed to be funny, but he's. He just kind of exudes that in all roles. So I think Joshua Miller as an actor is a little bit unhinged and it comes through. But yes, Richie, unhinged, shitty little brother. So they're in their upper, would you say upper middle class? Yeah, for sure. Now, I love, I love that her dad, there's such bewitched throwbacks. I told you. So when we had our first witch conversations, we were saying, like, what was your first witch thing? And that's when you brought up, I think, Teen Witch to me. And I said, well, Bewitched was my first. And we argued about I Dream a Genie. Uh, I was wrong. My first introduction to witchery was in Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Durr. Hello. Best Disney movie of all that. times. So when that. we have to go down a Disney path, that's what I'm going to pick. Uh, I didn't um, grow up with Disney movies, remember? <laughs> yeah. But Dick Sargent. Uh, who plays Darren in Bewitched is her dad. Which I thought I never realized before. And that was like a cute little. Yeah, I thought it was a cute. And then the mom was like this cute little blonde. So she could have easily, they could have named her Samantha. They named her Margaret, but. um, 20 years younger than Dick Sargent at the time, which shout out Hollywood for having those mixed age couples, but only in one direction. (laughs) Right. Well, and the funny thing is, is that he is like straight out grandpa status in this. Oh, yeah. He is much like he is. It's not even like one of those times where they try to make women seem older and men seem younger. He is ancient in that. that. Yeah. And he has more lines than the mom. Yeah. Well, there's also a weird relationship, right? Like right off the bat, she comes downstairs for breakfast and she's the good one that does all follows all the rules. And Richie's like eating gross food under her bed. And she runs downstairs to have breakfast. And her dad's like, you look pretty today, honey. And she goes, I know it's your favorite color, daddy. And I was like, oh, I don't. What was the color, though, Jess? What it was, was it? Uh, it was like a pukey green. It was like beige. It was literally like beige. And I was I like, know, oh, was my really God. Green. People are so green. boring. <laughs> taupe would you go with taupe (laughs) it could be taupe it could be olive could be olive olive, let's not go there olive's one of my favorite colors but (laughs) just saying gestures at my wall in my office (laughs) that's a pretty olive this is the this is the uh, yeah you're right you're right but so but she lives across the street from a popular girl yes who is dressed what she calls slutty but the girl is wearing a sweater and a jean skirt (laughs) It's the least bloody, it is the least bloody outfit in the entire movie, besides what she's wearing, which is a, a trench coat made for a seven foot tall man. And and frumpy. They put her when she's in her nerdy phase, just like they do in all these movies. They put her in frumpy, too big for her baggy clothes because they kind of also want to hint that she's a little fat. 
That's and, my opinion. And mom thinks these are cool too because mom buys her like this frumpy sweater and those kind of things too. Mm-hmm. And she has a best friend. She has a, another nerdy best friend who is Polly, Mandy Ingber, who eventually becomes yoga queen to the stars. In Ooh, that's so she fun. has a she has a company called Yogaology, which is a mix of yoga and astrology. And she always takes videos of herself doing yoga with people like Rachel Weiss and Jennifer Aniston, your favorite. So I mean, in the time it took you to describe that, I read it all on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lordy, lordy. <laughs> she goes so, by Mandy now. Yes. Yep. Uh, and I uh, I uh, follow her on Instagram from our um, from our from our own podcast page. And then we'll tag her. <laughs> well, we're tagging her in this. To it. Hey, Mandy, we loved you. You're my favorite. You Love were definitely you. one of the best characters. Second best character. OK, so for so in the storyline, we're going to fast forward through a couple things. I know that our last our our love Matt does not love when I fast forward through things, but we're gonna. The substantial part is is that she's like nerdy and Mandy's nerdy, and uh, the one kind of stick out scene. What? Polly. It's Louise. Polly. Yeah, her real name's Mandy. Sorry, sorry, Mandy, our only famous listener. We appreciate you for existing. Um, manifest. So <laughs> it's called manifestation. Look it up. Who's that? That lady Look on Instagram up, folks. is my favorite. So when she just yells, I don't want to do this today in a bathrobe. And then she's like, it's called manifestation. Look it up. You know who I'm talking about? Who? The best person on Instagram. I'm going to find her. Mm-hmm. We're going to post her. I'm but anyway, um, so Polly and her have this like dork life. There's a couple embarrassing moments like uh, when her her teacher accidentally grabs a love note and reads it out loud in class and embarrasses her. There's all kinds of embarrassing things in those moments. And then the top off of the embarrassing moments is that Brad is and his her cross the street neighbor, who is Brad's girlfriend, Rhonda, um, are making out in the car while he's driving. He runs her off the road on her bicycle and then she has to walk her bicycle home and it gets to be too much. So she comes upon a random house and knocks on the door to find the best character, Madame Serena. Which I just want to point out, that could only happen to young white teenagers where they could just happen upon someone and say, hey, I need help. And then they're going to get help. Yeah, well, with that girl, it was 50-50. She was going to get helped and though she was going to get serial murdered. So I, I don't advise I'm glad it worked out for her, but for we, do live in a, we do live in a heightened time where teenagers who need help are murdered at front doors yes, right now. For so sure, For sure. Uh, I do think, though, that when I wa- I didn't notice it the first time, but then when she went to her door the second time, there was a sign that indicated it was a fortune teller's business, not just a house. So I didn't pay attention. It was like, time. oh, I'm going up to this establishment. Right. Uh, it also was the house from Thriller. That's your fun fact. <laughs> oh. So she meets Madame Serena, who says, uh, give me what you can and I'll do a reading for you because she wanted a phone, but Madam Serena doesn't use phones. So instead she read her palm and in reading her palm, she figures out that they are these ext- intrinsically linked witches from centuries before. And Serena's basic got- purpose in life 
is she is paired with this witch who is now Louise Miller in this iteration. They have existed in different lives together before, and she is going to help her in the process of becoming more of a witch, which also helps Madame Serena because she doesn't have super strong powers, but she knows how to teach Louise how to use hers, and then she uses Louise's. Good? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. stuff starts going great because you can make people fall in love with you and make people be po- make yourself be popular. Right. Right. So that's so, what's yeah. That's the that's the that's the story in a nutshell. And then everything that happens in every other romantic comedy ever happens in this movie. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much the same plot line as Never Been Kissed, where she seems fine with her nerdy friends, but then something changes. In this case, she becomes a witch, right? And then she wishes herself popular, and then she starts hanging out with the popular people. But like her, you mentioned, her her uh, powers had to get stronger. So there's this whole like theme of the first few spells she does; they get reversed anytime someone hits water. So there's a lot of comedic like. Oh, she set this spell, but then that person got wet. So then it reverses it. And then there's a bunch of different scenes like, oh, her her, uh, spells are getting stronger because of how people are acting. And one of the things that she like wishes for, right, is she wants to be popular. Right. But before that, so her, so her, uh, Madame Serena tells her on your 16th birthday, you will start to get your powers. And then somehow her wardrobe friend at the drama department that is really a teacher finds this amulet and says i've never seen this before do you want it and she wants it and it turns out that's her linked amulet and then her first kind of foray into magic is when she wishes that her creepy date would disappear which i love that as a first time and that one we never hear any resolution from yeah we never know what happens to him but fuck him i will say in dress and style that they were trying to make look so nerdy then is pretty popular right now. So that's interesting. Well, and even her getting that creepy date though, right. Kind of followed the, her spells work, but not quite because she wished that the popular people would notice her. And then she's Mm -hmm. like, I wish they would notice me. And then one of the, her neighbor notices her, but then she's like, you want to come with us to this dance with my cousin? And then it's this like creepo, like over-exaggerated Revenge of the Nerds type dude. But he was the most confusing character I've ever seen ever. Because... <laughs> yeah, because like one minute he's super square and like judgy. Then but he's then like, he's asking her if she wants then he's asking her if she wants to smoke weed. And I was just thinking, oh, this is kind of like just like an insult in today's society. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um, and then he would get like really jerky around like he was moving a lot he would go from like catatonic lame and then be like jerking him his whole body around and being physically yeah it was like sexually aggressive weirdest Um, character and so that's when she notices right that her powers because then she says i wish you would just disappear and then he does while he's driving the car which becomes dangerous but she saves herself from full but that's where the realization i think happens right right and then she goes home she goes to madame serena's house she's not there goes home and then her brother is making the world's largest most bizarre pizza and she tells and somehow turns him into a dog Mm -hmm. but then throws him in the bathtub which already had bubbles in it 
and was fully formed <laughs> a full yeah. bathtub with bubbles and she threw him in the bathtub and he became a person again so let's not get too far into plot <laughs> plot holes i just want to point out to everybody we're not we shouldn't be picking this apart like a thai cinema it uh it cost <laughs> 2.5 million to make and it only made twenty seven thousand dollars in the box holy shit that's so crazy because my like so eric kind of laughed about the rap scene but my sister-in-law was like you're gonna love it and then <laughs> yeah. cousin i think genuinely loved this movie and they are age appropriate to have loved this movie when you. it came out when they were you know it's but. a cult classic that's I what mean, it's classified listen as. at the end of the day this is like the boy the girl realizes popularity isn't all it's cracked up to be right that's what it yeah. ends up being the boy loves her anyway for herself even though arguably she only loved the boy because he was popular and then he said he wanted the most popular girlfriend, which is why she became popular. And then she didn't like being popular, but still wanted the most popular guy. And he was also aware. So, like, there was a scene in there that's kind of like a scene in 16 Candles. Where, so in 16 Candles, you know, Molly Ringwald's character writes a letter about how she wants to lose her virginity to Jake. And in this movie which came out around the same time, the um, diary entry her teacher finds and reads is about how much she wants to make out with Brad, right? So he is right. already aware before she even gets her powers that she's into him. Yeah. All right, so who's your, who? what character do you like best in this movie? What, Polly, hands down. Pa- okay, tell us why. She's uh, a- Mandy Ingbar, please, please follow us on everything. Love you. Um, well, but, but aside from her ability to just just deliver that rap so phenomenally, um, mm-hmm. she's just a fucking down, like down ass friend. So when Louise turns 16, the worst thing that could happen to a 16 year old girl happens in that someone else is having a party the same day as her. And so no one shows up to her sweet 16 birthday party. Holly calls her and is like, I was on my way to getting your gift. I found out someone else is having a party. Are you okay? I'll be right there. And Polly is just there for her. The like, she's there for her the entire time before, you know, the spell goes awry and stuff and she starts ditching her. But Polly is a solid friend. She's not giving into the bullshit of popularity. She's there to support her. She was checking in on her friend supporting her friend excited for a friend when good things happen um encouraging so yeah that's why i love polly so much okay all right what about you you mentioned um yeah madam serena i love her okay so my favorite thing that she said was she goes who's happy get used to it (laughs) (laughs) because basically in through the whole movie madam serena and it sounds like from the plot that they are they are linked from generations back that they knew each other several times in their witch lives and serena's like yeah this is what it is so what he loves you because love's a mystery and it doesn't last so just enjoy it while it lasts like she was just so she gave like all the most brutal life lessons and sometimes even more like I believe that love lasts I'm not trying to say that that doesn't I'm just saying like she gave all of those spaces where you have such like a phenomenal like those bad lessons that we have to learn she was really trying to get homegirl to miss them altogether she's like 
listen, just enjoy the ride. And I'm for that. I like it. And, you know, she she properly took advantage of it as she should have. Like she was like, I'm going to make this frog my prince once she comes over and we'll make it happen. And then she also, even though it wasn't good for her, ultimately helped Louise's character in the end, even though it meant that her her extra magic was going to go away. So mm-hmm. she still had a good heart. Okay. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll accept that. So for the audience, um, it, Ma- Madam Serena, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Is um, played by Zelda Rubenstein, which I think you mentioned. But for those of you who don't aren't familiar with names, she's the um, psychic in Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. The one who's like, come to the light, Caroline. You know, so like picture this, like the tiny little lady with like vaguely southern i don't know is that a southern accent that she yeah, has yeah i think so i mean yeah, she's I from so. pennsylvania so I, i'm not sure but anyway she has a very unique she had r.a.p zelda a very unique voice and she's Stop actually checking dead. After she's just, really dead. no she's really dead i promise you i looked it up i checked wikipedia but no i also do remember the day she died but um oh. anyway uh I'll accept that. I will say on uh, the most recent watch, I, w- I got a little uncomfortable moments thinking, wow, she really is just straight up using this girl. Like she's like, I need your help. And like, it was like using her to like fix up her house. It went from like really sketchy looking and like eclectic, which I actually liked better to like yeah. a, a new- Novo rich kind of look for the, late 80s early 90s um so but i think you're right she saves herself in the end so it fa- it features the classic uh having the power isn't what it's cracked up to be i don't want it anymore i want things to go back to normal so like the whole message kind of is like you had it in you the entire time, like kind of it's stuff. It's like that's uh, also the message of the alchemist. So if you if you don't like to read, just watch Teen Witch. The yeah. magic is in you the whole time. The power you have, the power, um, <laughs> which is a good message, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. What about your least favorite? Who was your least favorite character? Oh man, um, I don't know. Like I didn't like how the three girls behaved towards each other and the three girls I mean Kiki and Rhonda and what was his name Sean third one so I didn't love how they behaved towards each other uh oh no Der. hello I'm missing the biggest one obviously Mr. Weaver yeah fuck that guy forever he he went through her bag and Mm -hmm. pulled out her birth control pills what and then Mm -hmm. made fun of her he so she comes in late the first day that we meet him and he's making fun of her like, oh, little smarty pants, because that's how we establish that she's only a freshman, but she's in senior English. So put a target on her back for the rest of the class. And she sits in the class in that big fucking trench coat. Now, maybe I'm just jealous because I went to high school during the time of Columbine and we weren't allowed to wear long coats, but she's in that coat through the whole thing. Oh, <laughs> but she- I wore one a lot in high school. Yeah, well... I don't know. I was a sophomore when it happened, and that was one of the things. So we weren't allowed to wear long coats, even though I lived in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Back back when we did something about gun control, but not 
or not gun control even something about school shootings but yeah. not the right thing i remember just being able to use backpacks yeah <laughs> can they not use backpacks anymore i don't know i just remember I when columbine can. happened side tangent everybody um i was what in middle school and uh suddenly we weren't allowed to bring our backpacks with us and it was because of columbine yeah oh yeah so i was we weren't allowed to wear long coats because remember they hid the long guns in the long coats so for some reason that translated to backpacks for my school (laughs) like you weren't you essentially weren't allowed to bring anything with you that could carry a firearm yeah essentially yeah wow bananas bananas times and And now they they have backpacks again i think yes my niece and nephew carry a backpack to school they're very cute with them (laughs) but like they sell bulletproof ones now oh jesus christ yeah anyway anyway luckily (laughs) luckily a lot of the shit that mr shelley did i mean mr weaver did his real name is shelley berman a lot of the stuff that he did wouldn't be okay today, right? Like, he was just openly mocking this student. Mm-hmm. Now, her revenge move, though, that was fun. She made a voodoo doll about him. So she went from, like, having to learn really complex spells to just holding her amulet or, like, knowing that she could make a voodoo doll, which I do think that if it was flushed out and edited in a meaningful way, which it obviously wasn't. This is just a campy, fun movie. But... I think they could have gone in a direction where they talk about how she had some innate knowing. And then, like, if we were to make a feminist version of Teen Witch, we could talk about how we all kind of have that innate knowing. That's how she knew to throw her brother in the tub when he turned into a dog. That's how she, because the mom hated dogs and the mom hated the brother, too. So that was very clear through the movie. But um, so maybe like that idea that she kind of just knew to make a voodoo doll. Because she had the picture opened and she's making this doll that looks like him. Um, And then uh, she decides to strip the... Out of all the things to do, why she decided to strip the voodoo doll in class instead of, like, make him hurt was an interesting choice. I thought that that was a little... That was a little... uh, It was a little weird, but it was embarrassing and it was sexual, which is what he did to her with the birth control pills. So... I guess that that's the even out part of it. Well, it was both embarrassing for him, but also funny for the audience, right? Yeah. Especially at the time. Right. Right. So that whole part. Yep. Are you going to talk more about it? No, no, keep going. That whole part. I was going to say that whole part confused me because he, like their principal comes in right when he's about to take off his boxers. Thank goodness. Yeah. But like, it's almost like it was nothing scripted. happens to him. He's just like, they're like, oh, like go home and get some rest. You're having a breakdown. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess that's pretty common amongst, I, I personally in high school had a teacher who did have a mental breakdown in front of us. Um, not a, a pleasant time. <laughs> I have a, my choir teacher cried in front of our class. And I think it was, I think it was about Chris Cornell. <laughs> I don't like the musician i don't know what i don't really remember a lot of it it was like show choir in seventh and eighth grade and he like had a total breakdown and that's all i remember him like crying and leaving the room and i really think it was about either like nirvana 
or like Chris Cornell or we were all awful. I don't know. But well, Chris Cornell died in 2017. So that would have been too. That's later. I was like, you would have been well out of law school by then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I, I was 2017 in my head, I was thinking of 1997, which would have also been too late. <laughs> yeah. Because this um, would have been in like 1994, I guess. Probably Kurt Cobain then. Oh. Well, know. anyway, so, but yeah, so he's my least favorite as well. And I don't like that. Um, they just kind of let him continue. So it wasn't even that ba- that much of an embarrassment. But yeah, he completely violated her privacy. Oh, it was gross. Um, So yeah, that whole... And then he also stood... I just want to point out, his classroom was on a stage. Like, he, his area of the classroom was on a stage. So he stood right. on a stage while he, where his desk was when he's talking so it's um kind of gave off this weird power differential that he's just like so hot shit he needs his own stage i'd Um, argue that he probably was a short enough teacher that they needed it so the kids could see over it that too but um (laughs) it's just that this like it's that whole sage on the stage kind of thing that yeah Yeah. as an instructor myself kind of weirded me out because i try anything and i'm sure you do too as an as a professor is you want to as an instructor you want to make sure that with like your students that you're aware of the power differences but you try to you know not like you want to keep boundaries but there's certain things like I wouldn't go and stand in front of the podium in my classroom yeah you know or behind the podium like I don't want that kind of stuff and I just feel like he's kind of representative of a certain professor who thinks that they're better than everybody thinks they hold power over other people and that they don't respect the students personal autonomy so well and and like just the you know when he read her journal entry the content was pervy like like any any professor any well okay we're calling professor high school english teacher any high school english teacher would not have said any of those words out loud to their students and they're talking about like romance poems and it's just like all a very kind of like it this the experience in the school is so interesting right because some of the things are so normalized right so she's 15 and she has birth control and that's normalized and we do kind of you know this movie doesn't explicitly talk about virginity the way other movies that you have picked have okay thanks for <laughs> that's called growth <laughs> but um but like she's on birth control when the teacher who's giving the sex ed uh talk when she was starting it you could tell she was really embarrassed but then she was like just use condoms and she didn't tell them not to have sex they're reading romance novels in class like the whole school was so i mean high schoolers are so sexually charged anyway and this school was like teachers are too (laughs) we're in let's go (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness all Uh, right anything else he got his comeuppance so oh man when he went in the washing machine in the in the um the car wash because the mom's like oh my good kid put so much work into this and my bad kid ruined it let me throw it in the washing machine and that makes him walk into a car wash that was pretty great that was creative i wouldn't have thought of that hands off to the writer i also want to point out throughout the film Luis lives in this like giant house 
and has this like very large bedroom mm-hmm. and she's working on this weird voodoo doll and like throughout the movie her mom just pops in or her dad just pops in they're like hey what's up like they talk to her like a roommate they're like hey what's going on and she's like she oh just bringing her. on something for class kid. huh they yeah, trust, so her. They trust her yeah and so uh then she has brad she tutors brad in english and she has him come over and her parents are just like oh hey yeah head on upstairs brad go directly to her bedroom um which i thought was like super interesting i don't know many teens if any um so i don't know if that still happens where you know like mixed you know like someone you might be interested in come is allowed in your room long term to study um but i thought that was like really interesting that they just kind of were always like really hands off and then it made me start thinking about the parents like though like the people people who were louise's age back then are now parents of teenagers i would say mm-hmm. so i was like wow things were pretty laissez-faire back then and i feel like a lot of parents overcompensated now where they kind of have their eyes and their ears over everything their kid does now because you obviously have cell phones and text messaging and you can track where your kid is at all times whereas back then they were always just like oh yeah you're just gonna like drive off to this abandoned house with this dude for the afternoon sure cool have a good time i will say i will say this is my little psa america listen i see a direct correlation and the amount of you parents who track your kids, that your kids find it normalized that their significant others track them, which makes it really easy for abusers to get in even faster. Because mm-hmm. if when I was in college, I broke up with a dude straight out, Diane, I broke up with a dude because he called me in my friend's room. I was so mad that he was looking for me and asking my friends where I was, that we broke up. We also broke up, right? Uh, the day of 9-11, the day before 9-11, which is a very awkward time to break up with someone because, um, you know, I'm crying because I just lost my first like significant boyfriend, the guy I lost my virginity, like all those things. And everyone else is crying because of a national tragedy. So I felt like an asshole, but I broke up with him because he called me in my friend Larique's room and I was so angry that he like tracked me down. That was such a huge red flag. But the normalization of tracking people now misses that red flag because everyone does it to each other. Mm-hmm. And so when I worked in kind of a Title IX space and well, when I worked in a Title IX space in a college, you would see like the student would come in with an abusive or a stalking partner. And the student would be like, well, yeah, they have my location or they have my location. And I'm like, oh, that stops your ability to fetter out red flags when you do that. So that's my PSA. Stop uh, normalizing people not having any independence and privacy. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yeah, I think once that starts happening or once someone starts checking that too much, that's mm-hmm. kind of clear sign it's time to go. Um, time to exit that relationship because there isn't trust and something's happening but 
so but but related to the movie when we're talking about red flags <laughs> i keep trying to like go into social well, issues well, no, sorry no, no, i keep doing that too related because when we're looking at how relationships were portrayed a lot of movies in the 80s and this is one involve it's usually the dude showing up to the girl's place at random and like in those movies that was romantic because there wasn't a lot of ways to get a hold of people and so we're like oh cute he surprised her or something but now i would be mortified if that happened but then do you think that's something about being because i remember being like in junior high or early in high school and like walking around like i I lived before i moved to the town i graduated from so i'm from stoke Massachusetts originally and me and my friends used to go just go on long walks and we would walk by people's houses and sometimes it would be someone we have a crush on and sometimes like that wasn't that I don't know that that wasn't unusual back then right and it wasn't unusual to make friends by just running into somebody and I'll admit I live in Portland Oregon most of the year and I've seen it happen in the wild I'm around I'm around (laughs) the youth I've seen it happen I've seen someone go like oh hey i like your outfit and they're like oh my god i love your outfit and then suddenly they're talking about scampering off to go hang out and i've been like whoa that's how things used to happen i think um (laughs) um, i just wonder like in terms of society if i were a barely 16 year old girl and a (laughs) high school senior who's actually a 23 year old man (laughs) because that's how old I think the actor was, um, shows up to my place unannounced and just wants to take me away for several hours, I would I would personally be concerned and I would hope my parents would be concerned. Is I guess my point. Whereas that was normal back then. Because how else were you going to get to know somebody? Because you weren't texting. I, mean, I, think, I think the other part is, is that she was such a good kid that her parents trusted her. And she hadn't had her breakout moment until she, you know, changed from that sweater vest into that uh, tutu and the black leggings and the at the school dance. Right. She never had any moments like that. So the hotter she gets because she's she she progressively gets hotter and the hotter she gets, the tighter her clothes get. And you love it because the hotter she gets, the curlier her hair gets. (laughs) I didn't notice that, but that makes. Yeah, because it's like styled, right? She's straighten those bangs at the beginning of the movie just a big straightened bang so all right anything else before we get to our uh cringiest love it hate it i think i'm good all right tell me what they are what do you love what do you hate and what was the cringiest movie moment of the movie oh geesh um i just thought of what i loved and then i totally forgot it Okay, I'll just move on to least favorite. Um, So my least favorite, aside from the teacher, was there's a moment when Brad and Louise are um, (laughs) auditioning for a play. And like as part of the audition, Louise has to sit in in Brad's lap. And then also it's expected that they're going to kiss and um, she pulls away before they actually kiss. But uh, that was audition. Like that wasn't rehearsal. That's how all the students were auditioning was by having the girls sit in the guy's laps, 
and having them kiss at the end and um that's that felt disturbing and weird um to did me you, um did you have a mono scare at your high school or college i had mono for um that's why school. that bothers you you're like that means mono <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's like a su- I got it from an alcoholic beverage. Um, I, get I got it from drinking someone else's drink. Um, anyway, but well, I think just the whole like expecting teenagers to do that to try to get a a role was kind of weird to me. Cringiest was definitely Richie. Richie was like so that. <laughs> I would say the way I perceive that actor is like he's that old timey he had it's it's almost as if he learned acting by watching old timey old lady like old timey lady actresses so he acted like at some point he's like you'll never be popular and like the way he like <laughs> he said, like, like he's an angry like old woman and it's like it gives me betty davis it gives me joan crawford and so very joan crawford in her yeah and he's just like you think you're special you're not special like that so a lot of that is dubbed into a um rocky horror picture show mashup i gotta send it to you it's so fucking funny it's like rocky horror picture show being like being like I never. And he's like, oh, Brad. And it just goes back and forth for a long time. And it's so funny. Well, I guess I can't remember what I was, what else I was going to mention, but I'll just say top that is my favorite part of the film. Um, I, the thing that sparked me watching it and wanting to watch it again, my friend Kylie, shout out Kylie. We're celebrating our 20 year friend anniversary. Um, Aww congratulations um she sent me a video where the dude who plays um oh the the dude who was rapping (laughs) that guy huh his name was Rhett Noah so Rhett um the dude who played him recently did an interview where he admitted how painfully like self-aware they all were doing this and that they kept like the director, someone kept wanting to put it in and that the director was like earnest about it, but that he was like, there's, this is only going to be funny, man. And then like, they're like, no, no. And so like, there was some discrepancy, you know, it's basically like a middle-aged person saying, do these things. And then an, a person who's in touch with the youth was like, that's ridiculous, but they still had to do it. So apparently he just gave it his all because he knew it was ridiculous and the fact that he had that self-awareness just I I just love it even more because they knew it was camp and they just played it up and I just really have to appreciate that level of professionalism okay what about you? Yeah, I like it so <laughs> my cringiest is so unsubstantial but it bothered me so much okay first I don't want to take up for the popular bitchy girls in the beginning. However, (laughs) Randa did the uh, across the street neighbor who they called a slut in the beginning and they tried to slut shame. And then she continued to dress sluttier than Randa throughout the show. Um, And Brad went to the dance together and Randa believes they're in love. She's like, you're going to visit me when I go to whatever. So Brad is like, 
Oh, my dad bought me into Stanford. I think that's the line. It might have been got, but I think he said bought me into Stanford. And then he's like, she's like, and I'm going to some state school near Stanford. And she's like, and you're going to visit me every weekend, right, Brad? And that's how they start the dance. And then all of a sudden, Louise comes in, throws her amulet so everyone knows that she's not, we all know as the viewers that she is no longer accepting her witch powers. She's renouncing her powers. Right, so that she can see if Brad really loves her or not. And then he comes up to her and that this is the part that gets me. They do this hand touch where they touch each other's opposite. No, it goes down. So they, they touch each other's middle finger, tips of the middle fingers, and then slowly move their hand down to start dancing. <laughs> We're doing Ray it. That's why I'm laughing so far. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? If anyone came up to me and did that. Dance. I would oh my god for some reason I could not get over like I kept going to Eric like what the fuck? why are they dancing like that why is that the choice so that was cringy and the dad's like comments about her looks I don't know they got too much for me like I'm wearing this color because it's your favorite daddy I'm like bleh, bleh. but <laughs> I will say that I understand culturally different places do that differently uh, we don't call our dad's daddy in Massachusetts very often. Once you're not a baby baby anymore, you know, in as a like a white Catholic, that's not daddy has become a sexualized term for me. So it grosses me out uh, when people say that. That's true. I that's still the- call my father daddy. Um, Do you? Yeah, which is why I'm really I'm not into. I try not to think too much about the kink related well i will also say i should clarify not my kink just something you hear in music and stuff oh (laughs) i don't call eric daddy clarify i don't use the word it's a pretty popular kink i would say (laughs) that's why i don't understand i don't understand it yeah Uh, it's a little i I mean i i i i would say i know the sources of it but uh i try not to think about it right is my point so so those were my two cringiest. Um, my hated it is I can't like Mr. Weaver going through her purse mm-hmm. was my like I couldn't even deal with how much I hated that guy and I like wanted him to actually drown in the car wash. That'd have been nice because I was like this guy fuck this guy forever making fun of these teenage girls when they feel so insecure and you can tell she was insecure because Robin Lively is a phenomenal actress obviously so you could tell she wasn't feeling good about it and she begged him please do not go through my purse and he still did and all that happened was she knocked her purse on the ground she'd right. been talking for like 10 minutes you didn't stop them then right mm-hmm. cuz mm-hmm. that was a that was a that was an important scene that's when we figured out that the reason that Brad goes for Randa is because he feels like he deserves the most popular girl. Which brings me to my hated part is that, I mean, like, I just, you know, I don't think there's anything I hate about this movie. It was campy. It was fun. It was so, I mean, it's rated PG-13, right? Is that it? Um, Which I didn't Let me check Wikipedia real quick, actually. <laughs> it's PG-13. You don't need to check. I'm checking. <laughs> I don't understand why it was PG-13. Because even in the scene that they could have been having sex, right? Like, it kind of looked like it was going towards sex. They just talked about kissing. Mm-hmm. Like, after. So, right. I don't really understand besides the when 
the um, professor, I mean, the teacher tries to show the sex ed class talks about um, her uses her umbrella and she goes, does anyone know what this is? And Rhett just yells all the different words for penis. But other than that, I don't see why this, I think in today's standard, this might've been a G rated movie, honestly. <laughs> I don't know. But, but I didn't like, you know, I like hate the tropes that, that this kind of gave into that, you know, you're like, this idea of what makes someone popular, what makes someone attractive, what makes someone um, like you deserve the most popular girl. Fuck you. You don't deserve anything is my idea. <laughs> but, yeah. but, um, and so I didn't, I didn't particularly love that part. Uh, and then um, my favorite parts were um, when it's these two really silly scenes. So one was the sexual, the sex ed. Okay one yeah education one right yeah. i loved it so much that was the one that i was a that was my favorite so okay, yeah go. Go. yeah oh. no you go because it is oh. your favorite and then i'll just add to what i liked about so it so i love how like so like i said she was uncomfortable in the beginning but then she's like no we it's okay these are called condoms everyone say the word condom they start chanting it she doesn't yeah. she's bothered <laughs> by the fact that they're being silly about it like she's like it seemed like she yeah. was calming down about talking about it when they did it. She had illustrations on the board and she was just like, just use a condom. She was. But yeah. She's like so fed up with them not taking it seriously. Right. And they all start no... going condom, condom, <laughs> which is, is great. Um, So that's why that's my favorite. Cool. Do you have anything to add? They have two uh, more. Fa- I have two more favorite issues. No, I just wanted to add as someone who used to be in the sexual health education realm, I, I love these scenes that infuse sexual education because the same thing happened and never been kissed. So right, right, Go and on. like, and for some kids that might have been there. You exactly, know I mean? especially now. Exactly. If we get some fifteen-year-old to watch this Listen. now, this might be the most sexual, <laughs> sexual exactly. health education part to it. Um, I loved uh, the scene where Madame Serena. Put, tells her to come on her lap and then they laugh and then they switch places because of their size difference. I know, I love that. That was, <laughs> was always so, so funny to me. That was so cute. Uh, and then um, I love <laughs> I love the I like boys song. I <laughs> like boys. <laughs> the whole time, like, like, it was like they were performing for her because she kept like peeking her head around yeah. the locker to watch them. But also it reminded me, and I'm sure, I don't know, who knows, so do you watch RuPaul's Drag Race? No. All right. So season 15, arguably, wait, 14 was like the best season. Like all the the top five were just some of the most phenomenal drag queens that, and some of my favorite drag queens. And the ultimate winner was Willow Pill. And her song was just like, I hate people. I hate people. And there was like a very oh. similar rhythm to it. Yeah. <laughs> so I so keep being camp. like, I like boys i hate people yeah <laughs> over again in my head it's a mashup that needs that'd to happen. Be a, that'd be perfect you should become a dj i cannot do that but if anyone that listens has those musical skills please combine willow pills i hate people from the season finale of rupaul's drag race season 14 and teen witches i like boys it's a goofy scene and i love it That's i so love it all right so does it hold up a little 
and this is why I mean a little bit. It's a classic. It does it hold up for the be careful what you wish for, stay true to yourself, blah blah blah. Yes. Does it not pass it for most of the things that I already kind of pointed out? Also, yes. <laughs> so the whole like she's 15, but they're acting like she's 15 turning 16 and they're acting like she's like in her 30s or something. Like this is all very adult things. Um she had loose relationship, a very loose relationship with her uh acting teacher, which was weird. Um <laughs> uh so you know the way that like high school i think it, it could that the way high school was back then can stay in the past but overall sure and you know every few years a new rumor comes up that they're gonna make this movie they never do maybe one day but that's always a rumor that never comes to fruition you know how so like I, when over over covid specifically when they started to make remakes they made them really dark this would be a cool dark remake. Like, oh, like yeah. this would be a cool, like, like I said earlier, talking about the feminism, like that you could, that we have the power within ourselves that we could see, like, imagine this and our uh, preview of next week, the craft and like just getting kind of like dark and gritty with it. It could have been cool. Like that, that voodoo doll could have gone a very, very dark way. And more satisfying directions, I would <laughs> yes, say. Yes, because I hated him so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in general, I think that this holds up for what it is. It's just silly. And yeah. there's no point that it tries to be anything but silly. So I love it. And I'm glad you introduced me. It's self-aware. It's very self-aware, very camp. And I think, you know, you and I, we both love, I mean, I don't watch RuPaul's Drag Race, but love me a good drag show um mm-hmm. so i go to drag shows pretty i mean of my outings in life i would say comedy clubs drag shows restaurants movies right. those are my top outings um so yeah i just love the camp i love the message you know i'm 36 now i study ethics i study a bunch of stuff and i still struggle with being true to myself and uh this was a nice reminder this week i do hope the remake has at least one black or brown person oh yeah so we didn't address that and that's another reason why it doesn't pass the smell or where it's like a kind of for me right because it takes place in california and you see one young asian man at various crowd scenes he's always in the dances So they hired one Asian man to be in the dances. But otherwise, it's a very, I would say, monochromatic, homogeneous school where everyone's wealthy and white, um, which is a problem, right? And so um, I would say watching movies like this as a kid, seeing these giant houses made me feel like I was in the biggest, like, like just the poorest of the poor, which we were pretty significantly poor, like half our house didn't have working electricity like shit like that uh not we didn't have plumbing that worked um modern like it's like third world style poverty in Mm -hmm. um small towns in oklahoma but uh those movies always made me feel even worse about myself and like everyone Um, else was living this rich lifestyle so those were some issues but um that's with every Hollywood film is everyone's kind of, even if you're poor, you're still in your, you're still in a relatively nice place. Yeah. The poor kid life is not always 
articulated. <laughs> Unless it's in a documentary. <laughs> I mean, they they're Hollywood's good for showing uh poverty, abject poverty when it happens in different countries. Right. You know, but yeah, we don't turn on ourselves. Anyway, anyway. So yeah, uh thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, we hit a milestone this week. We did. We hit 100 listeners. That's so exciting. Is it listens or listeners? I am so sorry. It's listens. Oh, I got so excited. I was like, oh, should I write it wrong? But, but still we, do have, we, we do have, and you know, like 60 of those could be us, but we do have 23 unique listeners um, on Spotify. So we have 23 Spotify followers. So shout outs to all you. If any of you want to be a guest on our show, on our podcast, please email us. Jess, what's the email address? The smelltestpod at gmail.com. You can also DM us on Instagram, the smell test podcast. Um, only I check uh, the smell test podcast Instagram because I set it up when I was drunk and I can't figure out what the password is. So I can't give it to Diane. But if you have special Diane uh, things, you can find her on B. Arthur Rules on Instagram. And I am on Jess Homer on Instagram. Good. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So we're all right, y'all. We'll have a beautiful week. day. And happy spooky season if you're listening Hooray! to this. Hey, we didn't say that in the beginning, but that's the point. See Woo. the craft next week. Bye. All right. Bye.